One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, as the other Cultaholic lads are decking the halls with Hardcore Holly, we are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean decking the Thurmans with sparky plugs. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, former Cultaholic Heavyweight Champion, radio presenter without portfolio Tom Campbell, and I am with the bear in the big blue bar festive cage. Head pen a Cultaholic. If you get him a pencil as part of some sort of weird secret Santa pagan tradition he will take that pencil straight back to the shop you purchased it from stick it in the eye of the retailer and ask for a pen because he gets it right every time he's justin henry off of america yo 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 what's up tommy ho cubed <laughs> uh yes I'm, I'm sure you'll regain your uh, call to hawk heavyweight title very soon because you were foisted onto the people and you rack up title reigns in a hurry, so you're like Charlotte Flair in 2016. I'm basically the Charlotte Flair, but with nicer hair. <laughs> Spoiler, do not have nicer hair. Are you set for Christmas, Justin Henry? Uh, yes, I'm pretty much just about there. All I got to do is just uh, wrap a few gifts and then just, I guess, be myself for a while and just present myself at the holidays. Uh, are, are you the present? <laughs> like my gift, um, my gift to you is my <clears throat> presence. <laughs> uh, no, I, I tend to overbuy around Christmas just because I'm 36. And I'm getting old, so I do whatever I can to make Christmas feel like Christmas for everybody else. Oh, that's lovely. Do you buy? Do you buy like fun gifts for everybody? Oh uh, yeah, pretty much the stuff that they want and stuff that I think they're gonna want. Oh, yeah. so I asked just I asked uh, Matthew this on the classic SmackDown review. Um, what does mm. Christmas Day look like in your house? Well, I go to my parents' place and we just open gifts in the morning. We hang out for a bit, and then we um. <clears throat> And we split up for a bit around uh, around noonish. We get back in, the, in, in late afternoon for dinner, and we basically just, just like a hangout. Really, it's just mom, dad, my brother, and I. Very nice. Sometimes Christmas like that are the most simple, aren't they? Yeah, we, we usually have one of my aunts over, maybe another aunt and uncle. But other than that, just a pretty quiet affair for the most part. It's just that's how we like it. Just low key, watch a little basketball on TV. My brother and I just keep it simple. Do you think low-key has a low-key Christmas? I would hope so. I would hope so as well. Whatever he wants for himself. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, look. What I have is... I say what I have is more of a Caval Christmas. Hey! Very Cavalbus. (laughs) <laughs> hey, we uh, we aren't we aren't technically talking about Christmas today because we are via our Ico Pro powered DeLorean. You gotta want it. Uh, we are nowhere near Christmas, are we? Where and when are we this week on the raw timeline, Justin Henry? Well, actually, we are at a different uh, postal holiday. It is 
Monday, May 30th, 1994, which is Memorial Day here in the U.S. It's um, We're still at the Struthers Field House in Youngstown, Ohio, or as Vince would call it, Struthers, Ohio, to save time. <laughs> this, was, this was taped one week earlier. Uh, just to give you a little uh, idea of what is happening in the wrestling world around us at this particular point, thanks to our friends at the Wrestling Observer, i.e. Dave Meltzer in a room full of paper, uh, we can tell you that WCW is gearing up for Clash of the Champions on the 23rd of June at this point, but the night before this, they had themselves a cheeky little house show in Charlotte, North Carolina. Really now? Yeah, and I thought it'd be quite nice to get a little indication on how the other half live and see what <coughs> the uh, WCW lads are doing for their their show. Would you like to know the house show lineup? I, I would love to. If you want to uh, quiz me on anything, by all means. Oh, wonderful. I probably will. Uh, Terry Taylor versus Brian Anderson was the opening match. Who was Brian Anderson? He may have been one of Jeans or, or Oldie's sons. I'm not entirely sure. We haven't heard about him, so he can't have been that good. <laughs> Did you say Brian or Bryant? Bryant. Hmm. I'll keep going while I, while I research that. Well, Cage Match said he was trained by Oli. Maybe it is his son. Because mm. I'm thinking Dave might have met Bryant. That could be wrong. Okay. Uh, Arn Anderson defeated the Patriot. Ah, oh, the Patriot. I've had the pleasure of interviewing him before. Is it the same Patriot that came to Dub Dub F? Yes, Del Wilkes. Ah, what was the Patriot like as an interview? Um, very straightforward, very humble. Uh, we discussed um, some some of the problems he had later in life due to injuries and um, and his painkiller addiction, which he was very open about. Basically, he just, he he just put out there just the horrors of what he'd gotten himself into and getting out of it and. How he does not wish that life on anybody else. He, he he was entirely transparent and candid, and it was a very wonderful interview. Wow. Okay. Uh, the WCW World Television title on the line. Uh, Larry Zabisco defending and defeating Lord Stephen Regal. Oh yes, this was Zabisco's brief comeback period. I forgot about that. Yeah, as a champion, no less. Yeah, him and Regal had had his mini feud over the belt. Regal was actually like one of the top guys at the time. He um. He and Flair had like a best of five, like marquee the Queensberry rules thing on TV. But Regal actually got to beat Flair while he was champion. So uh, Regal was doing the Queensberry rules thing because obviously Queensberry rules is a is an old bit of British parlance anyway. But right. uh, he was doing the Queensberry rules thing in WCW because obviously he touched upon this in WWF in two thousand and one. Well, no. well, that was a little bit different. That's when they had a uh, Dave Taylor and Drag. That was the Duchess of Queensberry. Was that really Dave Taylor and Drag? I believe it was. Oh, wow. Dave Taylor, mate. You legend. <laughs> uh, a six-man tag team war. Dustin Rhodes, Johnny B. Bad and Sting defeating Bobby Eaton, Bunkhouse Buck, and Steve Austin. That sounds like an awesome match. That sounds pretty badass, doesn't it? There's some, there's some good players amongst there. Uh, Arn Anderson came back out later that night after beating the Patriot to beat Paul Orndorff. Wait, Arn versus Orndorff? Yeah. Wow. That's a hell of a match there. How about this for a hell of a match? The main event, the WCW World Heavyweight title on the line. Rick Flair. So Flair wait, wait, wait. Uh, oh. I'm going to try and guess. Oh, okay, who okay. Could, who could Flair have wrestled since Sting wrestled earlier in the night? See, Luger's in the other company. Who in the hell could this be? It's not Dustin because we've established him already. It's not Barry Windham. Wouldn't be Rick Rude. He was already here. Steamboat? 
It was indeed Ricky Steamboat. Uh, I'll give you an extra point if you know the finish. Um, I'm going to say crossbody reversal. Incorrect, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick and Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair went to a one-hour time limit draw. <laughs> Holy ass. In 1994. I bet it was still awesome. Oh, I bet it was brilliant. Oh, not enough Broadway finishes and house shows anymore, which I think is a relief when you think of some of the players now that could potentially, like Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns. I don't want to see go Broadway. No, it's just, basically it's just Flair Steamboat or Okada Omega. <laughs> yeah, those are the only ones that are allowed. Nobody else, Pretty please. much. Uh, so that's that's the state of play in WC Dub. Uh, also, Brian Lee uh, is wrapping up his time in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I wonder what he's oh, he- going to do next. Oh, he's going to hop on a motorcycle with his, um, either his cousins or his brothers. I can't remember what they are. The Harris twins possibly joining crush. And they're going to just, you know, be these disciples of some sort of, um, nondescript apocalypse. And and that'll be all he does and nothing else over the summer. He may join the new church in this upstart company in, uh, eight years, eight years from this. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, he's. And he, and he might, hang, and uh, he might hang out with, uh, Adam bomb. In the, in the the turn of the millennium, but apart from that, no, nothing. No, no, that was Crush. I thought it was Brian. Oh, it was. In that case, he definitely won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a moron. <laughs> Excellent. I don't, I helped the joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm a holiday. A joke. <laughs> Tom, you're a professional. It's okay. And, we all have our moments. And he will uh, join the Heart Foundation. <laughs> yes. That's Brian Pillman, sorry. Yes, the loose cannon, Brian Lee. <laughs> and he would be a tag team with Scotty Too Hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it's, a, it's Grandmaster Chainsy. <laughs> and he would be a original... killer bee. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. We see the original two chains. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. He might have been. <laughs> we don't know. He might have been. See, you're on all four cylinders, which is great because I'm on one and a half. <laughs> I've got my coffee. <laughs> Get in, lad. Okay, enough enough baubles since it is Christmas. Uh, let us take you back in time. May 30th, 1994. We continue to chronologically critique. Thank you, OSW Review. Monday Night Raw. Justin, over to you. Okay, well, we start with a King of the Ring video package because the tournament is in three weeks. Of course, if this was today, we wouldn't know how the brackets until, like, the Thursday before. But back then, they planned ahead, which I appreciate. We have seven spots filled. IRS, Razor Ramon, Mabel, Bamian Bigelow, Jeff Jarrett, Owen Hart, and the 1-2-3 kid are all in. But tonight, it's the fight for the last spot. As the Tonga takes on the Gigolo Jit. Wait a minute. What? What happened to Jimmy Del Rey? Yeah, what did happen to Jimmy Del Rey? Well, apparently he's he's morphed into a six foot eight Hawaiian with a cool face paint job and, <laughs> and an even cooler mullet named Crush. Because it's the Tonga versus Crush in the battle of guys who are on the Royal Rumble video game. <laughs> What's the story here, Morning Glory? Do we know? Um, well, they sort of explain it in a moment, but it's um it's not adequately explained enough that, as to why they made this change really. We go to the start of the show. We got Vincent Savage at ringside, and Savage exclaims, 
What a great way to finish up Memorial Holiday Weekend. Not Memorial Day Weekend. Memorial Holiday Weekend. <laughs> Just took it in a holiday bit. Big fan. It's the War Memorial Day. Thanks, Savage. <laughs> <laughs> so we start off with these with this final king, final qualifier, Crusher Statanka. Tatanka has Strongbow with him. <laughs> Com Which... Completely legit Native American Chief J Strongbow. <laughs> Chief J Strongbow looks like a guy who is so caught in a lie that he can't get out of it. <laughs> he looks like someone who tried to use the headdress to get a discount at Walmart. <laughs> now he's like, oh no. Oh God. Tatanka just looks so happy that he's there. And he's like, he just like staring into the middle distance. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a Native American too. Try and get 10% off a pair of slippers. Oh. There's an episode, right? There's an episode mm -hmm. of the IT crowd. I don't know whether you're familiar with the British sitcom, the IT crowd. No. There is an episode of it which features one of the characters going to use the disabled toilet. And, okay. when, when he, and, and somebody tries to use it. Uh, but obviously they can't because he's in there. So he pretends that he's disabled. He pretends that his legs don't work. <laughs> and and this and the joke just rolls on to the point where the last shot we see is of of him being taken on a on a disabled uh, trip away from the venue <laughs> because he's so deeply entrenched in the lie that he can't come out of it. <laughs> That's brilliant. And it's that this is I'll send you a clip for it. That's Chief J Strongbow right here. <laughs> it's like the old George Carlin joke about how he used a handicapped stall like a bathroom or like a movie theater or whatever. And he walked out, there's a guy in a wheelchair sitting there and the guy says, Are you handicapped? And Carlin says, Not now, but I was before I went in there. <laughs> oh God. Are you Native American? Not now, but I was before I went in there. <laughs> Before I put the headdress on, <laughs> and then the, and then the magical powers took over. <laughs> uh, Chief J Strongbow is, and uh, when we get into the match, you'll probably you you will know why. Like oh, he's uh, a hero uh, for me in this match, J Strongbow. There is My one God. moment. There is one moment that I had to hit pause and just laugh for a while. I reckon I, it's the same I, moment I had too as well. <laughs> but fun fact: before we get to that, yes, Fuji. Fuji and Strongbow actually exchanged a tag team titles a bunch of times in the 70s with each other in this company. There is history between them, isn't there? Yes, there is. These two are longtime rivals, actually. When, when Strongbow would team with Sonny King or his kayfabe nephew, Joel Strongbow, to face Fuji and uh, Professor Toru Tanaka. But nobody uh, was questioning whether Chief J Strongbow was a native Indian or not. <laughs> No, they were just questioning if he was a good wrestler. <laughs> For some reason, I keep thinking back to that when Austin faced Dude Love over the edge 98 in that great match and Pat Patterson had his ring introductions. And he says, eh. and he's introducing Briscoe as the guest timekeeper, wink, wink. He, <laughs> says, he says, I'm like, he is destined to be the only true Native American in WWE Hall of Fame. There goes Strongbow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so entrenched in the lie now. Over over the holidays, if you have never watched Austin versus Dude Love from Over the Edge '98, you have to watch it from the start of Howard Finkel's intro of Patterson all the way through to the end because it is the most brilliant 35 minutes in WWE history. Everything about that match was perfect. This is the one with Pat Patterson, who is the guest ring announcer. 
Yes, he's guest ring announcer. Briscoe's the guest timekeeper, and Vince is guest, guest referee. Guy. And and the whole point is, by this point, you had never seen these tropes before, and you had no idea how awesome was going to get out of this. Yeah, it felt hopeless, the, didn't it? It did, but everything about that match, the crowd, the timing, the moves, the story, the comedy, it's all there. Everything is there in one beautiful half-hour package. It's one of my all-time favorite matches, and if you've never seen it, you owe yourself. Would you say watch it if you were trapped on a desert island? I might. Oh, maybe more on that next year. Because it, 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 it holds up with every viewing. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, back to this match for now. Matches I would not watch on a desert island. <laughs> unless it was the only match possible, in which case I would just gouge my eyes out with some, <laughs> with, with some shredded coconut shell. <laughs> so, this so is probably, so bad. So apparently Cornette and Fuji made some sort of business deal that allowed Crush to get into this match. Which makes me wonder what what Cornette and Jimmy Del Rey got in return. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. Was there a title? Did they have a title opportunity? No, they, no, because Cornette didn't have anybody with the tag belts, did he? No, but you think that the bodies would have gotten the tag title match against the Headshrinkers at King of the Ring instead. But no. <laughs> no, there was no, there was nothing for, the, for Jimmy Del Rey, was there? Apparently not. You could have done this match with and had a similar result with Gigolo Jimmy. Right, but there's um, uh, this is going somewhere because so Crush had to be involved here. Yeah, but um, maybe Fuji told Cornette that he was going to finance Smoky Mountain for the next five years, and that was the greatest rib he ever pulled. <laughs> Here's a check <laughs> for Smoky Mountain wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they said, "Look, I tell you what. If you let Del Rey, if you if you drop Del Rey out of this, we'll take Brian Lee off your hands." <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we'll have Brian Lee off you. Savage says that Crush is looking for a, and I'm quoting here, squash victory. <laughs> using using insider terms now. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit standout to refer to, <laughs> refer to as a squash victory. I mean, I've heard Heenan and Jimmy Hart say the word "jobbed" before, in, in, in the sense of jobbing and wrestling. I've heard Jr. As, say it before. Yeah, yeah, we were jobbed on this one. Yeah, I, I heard him talking. I, I with Jr. I heard him say, "Oh, The Rock, he got jobbed here tonight on an episode of yeah. Raw." I always mark out a little bit when I'm, whenever I hear those sorts of things. Yeah, I think as long as it's, as long as it's not detracting too much from what's going on. Yeah, just not. Nice little wink and a nod to the people who do know. Yeah. <clears throat> so Crush has a little problem exiting the ring at different at different points. Tonka clotheslines them. He's supposed to go through the middle ropes. He can't quite do that. So Tonka improvises, goes for another clothesline. Crush has to go, go over the top rope, but Tonka, because Crush it, it, because Crush isn't, isn't Ricochet, has to sort of just keep pushing on his throat with his arm until he finally goes over. <laughs> <laughs> And, and the crowd no go wild. Although it's, you, you, they sound like they go wild. Because I was, because mm -hmm. I was, I was half. I remember this particular bit. I was half watching because I was typing something up from the Wrestling Observer, and I heard the crowd roar. I went, "Oh gosh, they're into it!" And then you look at the crowd, and you go, mm -hmm. "Ah, no sweetness. <laughs> that crowd does not look like the noise it's making." This is definitely a taped show. This is very taped. They all look tired <laughs> and fed up. Here's how you know it's taped. If Diesel's on the show, and he does his jackknife, and you don't hear the guy bounce off the canvas, it's a tape show. <laughs> <laughs>
Listen you don't hear the, the thud. It's, <laughs> it, if Bamian Bigelow jumps out of the rafters with a moonsault and you don't hear him land, it's a tape show. <laughs> They've sacrificed the ring acoustics for just... <sighs> just, a, just the hair dryer sound the entire time. Just a noise. <laughs> yeah, just to compensate for the fact that no one's making any sounds by hour two of the show. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but, but you see how it hinders it. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a spot at ringside where Tatanka is, um, he gets between Strongbow and Fuji. Stop, you can both have me. But anyway, he, <laughs> he um, starts mouthing off at Fuji, crushing it behind Tatanka. Strongbow, with as much animation as he could possibly muster, sort of taps Tatanka's arm. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey, he's, he's going to hit you. Hey, <laughs> this isn't even the funny part. This isn't even the funny part. I know. This, 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 this is the silver medal. But then he, he just stands there. That's crush beats him up. Like, as you say, like completely unanimated. <laughs> Strongbow was like unaware of his hips and legs. <laughs> so the target, the target turns and gets and gets kicked anyway. <laughs> and and I. I think that led in the commercial break, which which is a hell of a segue. It did, it we, did. I just remember that, that the one thing that stuck in, stuck out to me as they went to break was Strongbow looking looking like an ocean liner in the sense that as soon as he turned, he was about twelve foot long, and <laughs> just stood there as crushed, just beat up the tongue. <laughs> yeah, Strongbow is like. He was the original Orange Cassidy. <laughs> he really was. <laughs> but I don't think it was deliberate. I mean, it no, it was just... That could have been his stick. I'll bet Orange Cassidy throws harder kicks. <laughs> no chance. So, <laughs> we come back. Tatanka starts firing up a little bit. And I... I'm going to get the TV. Just Enzagiri him. <laughs> the way Bam Bam did that's the Rumble, which is one of the best spots ever. Tonga does the war dance. Bam Bam just throws his legs at his head, knocks him unconscious. It's great. But Crush does strike him, at least. So he, he understands how the game works to a small degree. Yeah, he gets it. So it's heating up a little bit, but certainly not at ringside. Is as Strongbow. Well, Fuji, well, Fuji Fuji's a, is allegedly trying to get into the ring. <laughs> Here we go! Here we go! Oh, this is ice! Okay. Mr. Fuji, I I understand at this point, Fuji was roughly... About, 109. About, well, in fairness, he was about 60, and he, 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 there's a lot of wear and tear on his body at this point. So he's grabbing the bottom rope like he's trying to get into the ring. Like he's sort of... It's like he's doing some sort of rhythmic exercise while holding on to the bottom rope for, like, isometric purposes. But, but, but what he's really doing is he's trying to signal the Strongbow, hey, get over here and prevent me from getting into the ring. Oh, so, so Strongbow, like the uh, statue from that one creep show movie, slowly comes to life <laughs> <laughs> and, and starts shambling over to where Fuji is. Shambling! <laughs> How else would you describe the way he moves? No, no, I... It... Like I've, 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 put, I've put it here. I've put it here. Strongbow wakes up and wanders over. <laughs> I think you put it more eloquently. While well, muttering braids. <laughs> Zombies move faster than Strongbow. 
<laughs> he walks up. So, so he skedaddles over to where Fuji is. <laughs> he, he turns Fuji ever so slightly, gives him a decent chop <laughs> that, that Fuji sells by first pausing and then falling backwards as though he were a tree being cut down. <laughs> I even wrote timber in my notes. <laughs> I've written, I've written. Strongbow comes to life with a chop. Mr. Fuji falls to the ground like he's been shot in a film noir movie. <laughs> Fuji, uh, his, his range of motion was a little limited by this time. <laughs> so... He couldn't like, just throw his legs up like here like Cornette would. the ringside area with toffee. <laughs> He's still <laughs> just wading through it. And he should have like packing peanuts to land on so he, he could take, <laughs> take it to Mark Zuber and bump. But you, you got to put this in just to appreciate. And, and keep in mind, this is no lie. Fuji then is the age that somebody like Michael Hayes is today. <laughs> Michael Hayes could possibly have the have been a bit more exuberant and falling down. Although Fuji, I know he had really bad knees at this point. I'm not going to make fun of him too much, but it, it was comical looking is, is, is what we're saying. older than like 60s. He looked 70s, 80s. Well, let me just verify because I, I got it right here on, on the old wiki. Fuji was born May of 1934, so he had just turned 60. Wow. Like yeah. He's like at this point. At this point, he is younger than my dad is now, right? And I Same think, here. I think my dad could have taken a better bump, <laughs> but again, my, I know Fuji's got bad knees. I mean, I mean, my dad could too, but he also didn't wrestle for thirty years before this. <laughs> so it's true. Got to understand, Fuji's uh, he's been through a lot, and uh, that was like a standard bump at this period. Cause I, I remember Bret Hart punching him once and Fuji just grabbing his head and kind of falling to his side very slowly. So this was Fuji's this was Fuji's uh, default manner of falling at this point. Sad to say. Yes. Back in the ring, Crush hits what could be the best inverted atomic drop ever. <laughs> or, or as Vince calls it, reverse pile drive, which he's not wrong. He's well, not wrong because... If you have piles, they're being driven back yeah, up. That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Because, I mean, his knee's in the right spot to do that. Aww. So they brought the outside in the hopes of being the most lively thing outside the ring, and, and they certainly were from the, from the word go. They, they, they do the old punch, punch, punch on the floor, oblivious of the referee, who calls for the bell. It is a double countout. Uh, no, a double countout. Fight forever afterwards. They're still brawling as we go to the King of the Ring report. Well, this is awkward because we were hoping to have the brackets finalized by the time we got to the report, but by golly, they're not finalized. Thank God Todd Pettingill is live in the event center to cover that. Otherwise, that would have been really embarrassing. So here's raging douchebag Todd wearing an all-over print shirt. Christ, that T-shirt is the most disgusting thing I think WWF stores ever printed. I know, but I totally wear it. I'd wear the bejesus out of it. <laughs> Me too. It's, oh, that, it, that it, has got Cultaholic News video written all over. <laughs> I would totally wear that like jury duty or something. <laughs> I'd wear it to a funeral. <laughs> but whose funeral? Anyone's? Todd Pengel's. <laughs> but, but wait, you're dying in a month. Are you saying, are you saying something about, about Todd? Pengel's going with me. 
<laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah. It's an it's a long elaborate story, I'll explain it later. <laughs> it involves it involves plane tickets and alibi and around <laughs> forty five bags of grated cheese. Does Scott Shannon put you up to this? Might he might have done, mate. <laughs> I've got I've got the direct line through Broadway Bill. We may have may have had a chat, me and Scott. <laughs> I need you to do me a favor. <laughs> and then so, Broadway just tells you in rhyme. Todd informs us that our producers are trying to reach Jack Tunney. <laughs> Tunney don't get up until after <laughs> nine. <laughs> Good luck with that. Tunney's probably wearing a sleeping cap. <laughs> They're trying to get... Okay, right. Question for you, Justin. They're trying to yes, get hold of Jack Tunney. Where is Jack Tunney? Jack Tony's in his study. He's 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 passed out in his chair with his sleeping cap on and his long pajamas. He was reading uh he was reading War and Peace by Candlelight. <laughs> <laughs> they had to send him a telegram or not or not, or not, not telegram. What's that thing that, that, that you like um it's that dash dot thing? What is that thing Morse called? Code. Telegram. Morse oh, it's code. Telegram. Yes, it's telegram. Yes, I guess I was right. Yeah, you were right. Yeah, you said it was telegram. Trying to reach him, <laughs> but, but right now he is hopelessly in a slumber because it's May and it's still snowing in Canada. Well, not really, but it's... so we got Brett versus Diesel. Well, Brett's on the King's Court this week, so that should be interesting. Piper versus Lawler, and we go to another one of these charming low-budget Piper videos that. They're... Gonna try to send to Bob Saget, win ten thousand dollars with. It's Piper and his dog. We never find out what his dog's name is. I don't think. We don't know, sadly. <laughs> but we find out a lot else. Yes, we find out that Piper is in on the whole timely references thing. As he talks about how tough his neighborhood in Oregon is, because he says Tanya Harding's one of his neighbors. I think she's from Oregon, so that kind of makes sense. And he goes, and Bob Packwood, whatever his name is. <laughs> you just said it, Piper. Well, Bob Packwell was a former, uh, I think, a former sen- a former senator from Oregon, who, who who around this time got in trouble for like sexual harassment and stuff, so he had to resign. But well, what's funny to me about that? I mean, I mean, that's not funny. But what's funny is Piper throws his name in there to make it sound like, 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 see, we're on top of our topics, but he can't even commit to it. Bob Packwood, whatever his name is. <laughs> He talks about fighting the match for the kids. He's only doing it for the kids. He's only doing it for the kids and nothing else. As a guy in a suit off camera just like nods at him and makes a throat slit gesture. (laughs) Reference reference, uh, the podcast last week to understand that gag. Someone's holding piano wire. Piper's going to be like, look up Bratzi if, if, if he doesn't win the money. I've written down the last thing Piper said in this promo. Can I share it with you? You may certainly do so. Because I believe I wrote the thing on down too, but let's see if it's the same line. Okay. So Piper talks about how he doesn't want to throw insults around at Lawler. He wants to do this fight for the kids. And the last thing that Piper says is, I could put a sandwich on my back and starve you to death. Please help the kids. <laughs> That's what I wrote. Uh, what, is, what is that even? I, I pondered that for, that for about three mean? minutes. And and I think I figured it out. Okay. I'm really glad <laughs> you asked because I ain't got a Scooby-Doo, mate. <laughs> okay. 
what I think he's trying to say is it. Let's say there's a, a nice big sandwich on Piper's back. Okay. Piper's in a stand-up fight with Lawler. He's saying he's faster than Lawler and stronger than Lawler. And Lawler, if he's hungry, wants that sandwich, but, he's, but he can't get it because Piper is too quick and too strong for him. Right. So, so, so I think that's what he's trying to say. So therefore, like, he'll he'll die hungry before he gets the, the sandwich. Yeah, because Piper is is is, is going to overpower him in every sense. Right, I'm with you. Uh, okay, that so, makes sense. That makes sense. It's a weird way of putting it, but I thought I'm like, that's probably what he meant. And it's even funnier when he immediately, like without really a pause, follows it with, please help the kids. <laughs> like, help the kids what? Like, get the sandwich off your back. Hey, please help the kids, nod convincingly. Wait, wait, I was supposed to read that part. <laughs> He's only doing this for the kids, Justin. I like how we're in Strudlers, Ohio for this. We have Sally Strudlers doing the same promo. <laughs> it's very deliberate. In one of these seminal South Park episodes ever. From the early days. But anyway. Of course, we have Hedrick versus Crush and Yoko. Todd makes a very unfunny Flintstones joke about Bam Bam Bigelow because the John Goodman Flintstones movie was in theaters at the time. Oh, it, it was, oh, that was a thing, wasn't it? That was not a terrible movie, I will say. It, it, it was worse. That it wasn't as bad as people thought it was. A lot of people, it wasn't as it wasn't worse than. There's a lot worse films out there. Basically, I think it was John, bad. The second one was something else. John Goodman was a good Fred. Yeah, I liked him as Fred. But uh, of course, you know, I mean, John Goodman had. Got more plots four years later as Walter Sobchak and the Big Lebowski, his greatest role ever. Yeah, that's of... very true. He should play like Walter in this movie. He can get you a toe by three o'clock with nail polish. <laughs> From... I mean, everyone's barefoot in the Stone Age. Just cut off Mr. Slate's toe and put nail polish on it and boom. I love so, it. Pa... So we're still trying to figure out this whole conundrum with Crush and Tatanka. Meanwhile, we... We cut to Owen Hart, who's apparently in an undisclosed location. Yeah, they got him in a studio very quickly, didn't they? Yeah, he, he's in the same place where Miz stashed away his family before his match on Sunday against uh, Bray Wyatt. <laughs> so we're we expecting Bray Wyatt to come out of the darkness and drop him with his sister <laughs> Abigail. Well, he might be hanging around the show. I mean, his dad's there. <laughs> Here comes a little seven-year-old Bray in a oh. Halloween mask. Oh, John! John, don't do anything, mate. It's Christmas. Take the take the, take the week off, <laughs> unless you want to. No, no, don't, John. It's the week off. Enjoy. Just enjoy the podcast. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so Owen, being the chicken s heel that he uh, that he is, uh, he, he feels he should get a bite into the semifinals automatically. I think because, he should. Well, I mean, yeah, that's how that's how this works, isn't it? Hmm. And Todd closes this uh this uh, segment by saying. In terms of the King of the Ring being a three-hour show that you order on Father's Day for your pop, how long do you think it's been since your father was capable of having three hours of excitement? <laughs> Thanks for that image, Todd. Even he's like, oh, I can't remember. Like he, he makes a little flippant comment about it as well. I'm like, this is this is crap jokery. Don't do it. Stop putting that weird thought in my head, you weird man. So in the three-minute stretch we have, please help the kids and – Hey, what's up? Your dad got an erection that lasted three hours. <laughs> um, Macho Man went shopping for Marge Scott. 
Um, March shot. Help me, Justin. That's what it says in my notes. <laughs> okay, March shot was the former owner of baseball Cincinnati Reds. She was apparently, based on some of her statements she made, a very callous person, possibly a Nazi sympathizer, and possibly a racist. Wow. Well, I see wow. possibly, as if there's any doubt here, she made some very, very stupid comments in her life, and she ended up being banned from baseball and had to sell the team. Jeez. She, one of her most infamous ones was talking about Hitler, where she's, <clears throat> I don't know what good intentions could have come from this, but she was talking about how Hitler had the right idea in the beginning. He just went too far with it. Oh, God. That's, yeah. that's, never, that's never the right thing to say. <laughs> that's never yeah. the right thing to say. Yeah. But in, 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 in a more callous one, um, two years after this, there's an umpire named John McSherry. John? Who was umpire. Yes, no. John, it's Christmas, mate. Calm down. Yes. You got the week off. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds traditionally would always have the first game of the season because they're the oldest team in baseball. And um, so it's like, a, it's like a big tradition, the first game of the year in Cincinnati. And John McSherry was umpiring that game. And like very early on, he walked away from home, played clutching his chest, and, dro- and he dropped dead of a heart attack right there on the field. Jeez. Well, he didn't die immediately, but, but he was. it was a very horrifying scene. He was down, stretchered out, and later died. And March shot was pissed because the, because the game was canceled as a result, and it ruined her day. Oh, my God. Oh, God. So, it, in, in a good gesture, she sent flowers to the family. So, you're thinking, well, that's nice at least, but turned out that they were just the flowers that somebody had sent her for, you know, having that happen in her ballpark. And she just had them, like, you know, re-gifted it to the family, like, like as if it's, like, some grand gesture. Like, no, these... It's like it came off as like so thoughtless and callous, and yeah, March shot was not a good person. Was she Larry David? <laughs> this all sounds very Larry David. I, I can't see Larry David putting Hitler over though. No, no, apart from the putting over Hitler bit, like Larry David going, "Oh, I was looking forward to the baseball game. I'm allowed to say that. I was looking forward to the baseball game. Oh, I'll send her some flowers. Well, they're flowers that were sent me. I'm not going to use them. She'll use it's them." A... <laughs> It does sound like a curb plot, doesn't it? It really does. Like, I love watching Kirby Enthusiasm with my dad. Like, it's the one thing I'm excited about doing over Christmas. Uh, among everything else, but, like, it's one of them. Just because it's a, it's a comedy that me and my dad bonded over a bit. Because it's like, a lot of Because pretty much all the time you go, actually, he's kind of right. <laughs> I am looking forward to the new season, but it's going to suck without a... Uh without Funkhauser. Yeah, it's, that's going to be a big gap in it, I think. And But but as long as Larry's still there, it'll be fine. I'm an orphan now, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> have you watched um, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee? Yes, I have. Oh, because I thought the one with, with Seinfeld and Larry David was really sweet. I know yeah, well, that. Well, I thought with Julie as well. That was nice. To me, to me, it's still the funniest show of all time, Seinfeld. Yeah. Curb's close. Sim- old school Simpsons are close, but Seinfeld, it's so hard to beat. They made a comedy about doing nothing. Yes, and, it's, and it ruled. It was ever so good. Ever so good. <laughs> well, speaking of death, I hate the, hate, hate the, that's a hell of a segue. It really is, mate. <laughs> well, first, before we get to this part, we have a random shot of the ring card girl, referee, and jobber walking up for the next match. As if that wasn't supposed to air at all. I thought it was a faction. <laughs> we are the nation of consternation. 
<laughs> we are the nation of continuation. Savage <laughs> says, forget about Jack Tony. Let's just have a rematch between Tatanka and Crush. It seems to be the sensible thing to do. And then we go to Ted DiBiase, who's hanging out at a funeral home. And by funeral home, I mean casket set up in front of a promo wall. <laughs> Blatantly a funeral home, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. He says it smells like money in there. And he's made contact with The Undertaker. Promised that he will be under his employ again. And he closes the casket lid. Says, rest, says all the rest will be resting in peace. And then lets out his big horse laugh. <laughs> Indeed, the greatest laugh in wrestling. So, yes, Undertaker's apparently on his way back. And I, I know how this story ends, and I'm, I'm not happy about it. It's um, it's not the best of times, is it? <laughs> nope. It's the blurst of times. <laughs> One, two, three, kid versus, as I put in the more explicit terms, F yeah, George South. <laughs> You're a big fan of Georgie boy, aren't you? George South is one of the greatest un, in, w, in W terms, um, enhancement talents there ever was. George South can work. George South can go. He's got he's it, not isn't some, he? He's not some bargain basement local. He, this guy's a pro, and he's in there with a with a very talented Sean Waltman, who's at this point 21 years of age. So this could only be a good thing, even if it is like two minutes long. And I bet these two have a fun match today, too. Yeah, and and you know what? You were right in saying that because it's all good. It is. We all, except, except for the part where Vince comes back and breaking says, "We be back and stuff." We be back. And stuff. <laughs> uh, I wonder who wrote that line for him. Do you, reckon it, do you reckon it sounded to me like we be back and stuff. It was like he realized that he'd said we be back when he should have said we will be back. So therefore he kind of gave up on the entire sentence. Because he realised he made a sl- cause I, Do you know what? I'm guilty as guilty as charged of doing that. Where I'll make a slight uh, alteration, I'll make a slight mistake in a sentence. I'll merge two words together, and I'll, I'll give up. I'll give up on the sentence. I, I remember working with somebody who was doing um, an outside broadcast, and they went up to somebody like interviewing people in the street, and he went to say, "Who are you?" He went, "Who who, who be you?" <laughs> <laughs> and who be we? <laughs> who 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 be you? <laughs> you can just kind of tell that he gave up on the interview before it even started because he fluffed the most basic of of introductions. I think it was just Vince trying to be hip. Direction. We be back yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I think he's like like it's like when you're trying to co-op slang that you know nothing about and have never used before, and it just comes off awkward. And that is utterly whack. Wait for Vince to say that next. That's all early whack. We are too legit to quit. <laughs> Wacky maneuver. Vince calls Kid the Al Unser Jr. of the WBF. Isn't that Bob Holly? You're going to have to. I've, I've written this one down uh, in the list of things that Justin needs to explain to me. Can you explain that driver. to me, please? <laughs> no, no, no. No, race I know him. <laughs> the Al okay. Unser Jr. Is he a race car driver? Yes, he is. Right. Apologies, apologies. Because <laughs> I thought you meant yeah. oh, Bob Ollie was a base car driver. Yeah, Vince even pointed out here that he he won the Indy 500 the day before. Yeah, that should have been reserved for Thurman Sparky Plug. Yeah, but I mean, I, 
I guess because kids being a gregarious with a handshake before the match, I guess Alan Jr. is a good sportsman or whatever. Because, you know, mm. being a good sportsman is confined to only like four people in the world. I feel like he burned a really good um, yeah. a little good line to drop. <laughs> Indeed, it's uh, only one guy in the NBA does handshakes like, oh, one, two, three kid is the Reggie Miller of the WWF or whatever. Because <laughs> he, he, he wants a handshake. Oh. So we get a funny spot where George South ducks a roundhouse kick, laughs about it. So kid just kicks him again. <laughs> George South, he looks like he, be, he could be related to Scott Dawson in some way in terms of demeanor and look. He looks a bit dawson doesn't he? He does. He's, I bet George South loves the revival. Like, like, like they're his kind of team. You could just tell. So, so it's a pretty good match. It's just, it's just Kid beating George Shaft's ass for a bit. George Shaft's selling it like a champ. Kid looks good, and he wins with a standing mahi straw cradle. Now, you, you've seen this move. It's the one where usually the guy's on his hands and knees, and you sort of grapevine his arm with your legs, and then you roll over his back and turn him into a pinning combo. It ends up like a crucifix with with, with the arm, with one arm grapevined. But but Kid does it from a standing position. With George Shaft bent over standing up, so they have a long way to go in order to finish this move, and it looks really good too. It was I, a really creative finish. Really creative finish. You don't see many. <laughs> uh, I thought it just made one, two, three kid look like a great technician. Yeah, and, it's, and the thing about kid is that he can beat you at any time. You know, he's undersized. He's an underdog, but they always put a fact that in, in a split second he can upset you. So this could you know, bode well for the future. The kid has all these ways of putting you away when you least expect it. Because it, it's not the moonsault. It's not the cannonball. It's something completely different. And then, but mind you, think about it. That was kind of how he was introduced to us, by the way that he beat Razor Ramon. Right. But there's it, something it, dangerous it, about the one two three kid. Because he can just, like you say, beat, beat you at any time. Yes, usually it's the high risk that beats you. But here it's just something a little more elementary and simple. It's great. Simples. It works. We go to the King's Court with special guests. We'll find out in a moment. But first, Lawler has to insult the crowd as he, as he usually does. I wrote down here that Jurassic Park was used for a lot of insults back then. It was, it, wasn't it? It's a bit of a go-to. For age jokes, especially. Yeah. <laughs> Your mother said, well, she's one of the velociraptors in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Yeah, we get it. Low-hanging fruit, that is. It is. And Lawler makes fun of Brett's parents for being old, which are also Owen's parents. So this is kind of awkward in the way. He, 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 Lawler, Lawler says straight up, I told Stu to act his age, so he died. Flip. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did almost spit up my soda there because it, it, was, it was the bluntness of it that made it kind of funny. Like, like there was no beating around the bush. He just says, so he died. <laughs> I mean, like, like we're burning the Jerry Lawler candle quite quickly on yes. uh, on Raw lately, and and I think once am I right in thinking that once Piper once they have the match with Piper at King of the Ring, he disappears for a while. No, he doesn't. Okay, <laughs> but I just like on a one-hour show like this, King's Court every week is a bit much. Well, it's. He's one of the best heels they have. You might as well just put him out there. Have at least one suppose, interesting yeah. segment. And I suppose he is headlining King of the Ring. Yeah. 
lest we forget. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will say this, though. I did not appreciate Lawler that much 25 years ago because he had to follow Bobby Heenan. And even as a kid, I knew Bobby Heenan was hilarious. And Lawler, it's hard to equal Bobby Heenan, but looking back at it, he was brilliant. Jerry Lawler was just effing brilliant. His timing was perfect. He knew how to get under everybody's skin. He knew how to sell for the baby face. He was the master of what he did. And in hindsight, I wish I'd appreciate him a little bit more when I was younger. Yeah, I feel like he... By, by a younger audience, he wasn't appreciated. I think it's... And, and mm. now where we can appreciate him, there's not much to appreciate. <laughs> the man was committed to being a tool. And he was, he was, one, of the, he was, he was one of the best at it. So, I'm, so historical note here, I'm pretty sure this is the debut of Brett's Living on a Prayer knockoff music. Is it? Yeah, it's the first time I've heard I it on Raw. I'm sure if it was. Cause I'm sure I might have heard it on like a package or something, but I think it is the debut, isn't it? I believe so. This is the end of the na 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 na, and now it's and now we got the guitar wheel to start. It's Which, great. I love like music. For me, wrestling music needs that big punch at the start. Most like, of the time, yes. I, I think I think it's important to have like for a lot of big names to have that that defining noise, like that screech that Brock Lesnar has at the start of his. Mm-hmm. That Although thing. one, ex- mm-hmm. yeah, that Velociraptor screech. Yeah. But one exception, though, WWE ruined Ric Flair's theme by putting the woo in front. Just yeah. Just, just give me that slow dawning intro. And I think and to be started... fair, didn't they do something recently with Ricochet? Yeah, they added the, added the uh, kapling sound. <laughs> it's not everyone needs a signature. Oh, I've Rainy... corrected. <laughs> Randy Savage had a slow intro with that dun 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 as, as it built up to the dun 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 dun. But I mean, like not everything, not everything has to punch you to start out. It's it's good if it works, but if it if it doesn't need it, it's fine. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. It's um, you know, it's case by case basis. Let's say. So, yes, this is a debut of Brett's theme. Best part is Lawler recoiling at the pyro above his head. Lawler even sell for, for pyrotechnics. Yeah, I like that. I like, I, not enough people are scared by fireworks. <laughs> Lawler, Lawler reacted well to it. Lawler was, was a real dick to Brett for this. Like, like yeah, high-level so, dick. I was going to say, two people sold for pyro and wrestling. Well, three. Lawler, Dwayne Gill, and Pharaoh. Eric Young. Okay, that's four. Don't that's the Mount Rushmore, the Mount Rushmore of selling for pyro. Oh, John, John, don't no, John, don't do anything. You're on a week off. It's Christmas. <laughs> if you want to draw Pharaoh and doing something anyway, go ahead. No, no, no. Even if you do, don't put it online because you've got the week off. <laughs> we can't tell off. John what to do with his time. We can. It's Christmas, John. Take the week off. Okay, fine. <laughs> Give the man a week off. He works all year round, John. You got a week off. That's true. Photoshop yourself having a week <laughs> off. <laughs> but that defeats the purpose anyway. <laughs> so, so Lola reminds Brett of what happened last year, King of the Ring, where he busted his rib with the uh, with the throne. With the, he doesn't mention that part, but that's what actually happened. So Brett had to beat his ass at SummerSlam legitimately. I like that Lola threw loads of insults about Brett's mom and dad, and. 
And Brett was like, oh, oh no, didn't stay, didn't, didn't run out, didn't get involved. Brett comes out, oh, all these insults. And Lorna goes, hey, Brett, remember when I beat you up at King of the Ring? And that's when Brett goes, right, now I'm having you. <laughs> well, Brett knows that if Lawrence insults us, this, Stu can defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> He'll slowly, glacially move towards you. Yeah, but when he gets a hold of you, it's over. He's going to get the lightning quick Chief J Strongbow <laughs> to, to grab you. No, no, no. Don't compare Stu to Strongbow. Do not do that. <laughs> I can because Stu is. No, it's Stu. Stu can't come after me. Yeah, today you think it. I hear it. <laughs> oh, no. I'll think later on I'm choking on a peanut. I'm not. It's Stu strangling me from the afterlife. <laughs> I'm the ghost of Christmas future, asshole. You get, uh, you get that no future at all. Uh. I'm the ghost of Christmas stretching. Could <laughs> beat you down in the dungeon with all the paneling I put up. <laughs> <laughs> it's soundproof now. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> all the bloodstains, all the memories. Stu is the greatest. He is, to be fair. Yes. So Brett's so after, after Brett endures these insults about what happened last year, he starts sizing Lawler up. But turns out Brett is not the only guest on this show. Oh no, because Lawler has de facto backup in the form of Diesel and Sean. Yeah, extra guests who come out to have a bit of a chin wag. <laughs> I wrote a lot of mullets. Yeah. Favorite mullet? In, in the ring or all time? In the ring. Uh, at this point, Diesel. Yeah, agreed. All time, John Crook in the Philadelphia Phillies. Nice. Good shout. Tweet us your favorite mullets. At <laughs> JRH Writing, at Tom Campbell. <laughs> Can't go wrong with a mullet. Yeah. Decent, mm. decent haircut that's sadly <laughs> lost in the annals of time. I know, it needs to come back. <laughs> what no, if I had a haircut that looked like business at the top, but a wacky party underneath it? Wait, what the hell am I saying? But the best mullet of all time is Yaramir Yager of any shelf fame. Yeah, Yaramir Yager's got the best. You don't even know who that is, do you? Not a clue. <laughs> it's fine. A mullet is basically like wearing jeans and a suit jacket. <laughs> well, but for I've your hair. That. Yeah, I do that all the time. I basically wear the clothing equivalent of a mullet. That is my main look. If you, if you take us through like the next two minutes, I will show you a photo of Yaramir Yager. It'll make you very happy. Oh, please put it in the Skype chat, my friend. I need to see this man's mullet in Actionio. Uh, whilst you do that, uh, George Akin between Diesel and Brett and Sean and all of this, which results in a flipping jackknife where we do hear the thud, contrary to popular belief. And then Jerry Lawler gets amongst it as well, and all three of them start just punching and kicking on poor old Bret Hart. And that sets us up neatly for the King of the Ring. Yeah, now there's a little bit of doubt that Bret can survive a jackknife powerbomb. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's like it's, it's just something that it hasn't made Bret look too bad, but it's made him look, like, vulnerable. I have a photo from Justin Henry that I'm opening now. I am... Oh, wow. It looks a bit like Dave Meltzer. <laughs> That's Dave Meltzer on. Uh, that's Meltzer on the juice right there, Yaramir Yager. That's like that's like if somebody had an Airbnb made of hair. <laughs> I mean, played like twenty-seven. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> it's like like twenty-seven years in the NHL. This guy. Did he grow it for the entire twenty-seven years? I uh, know. Uh, late in his career, he 
he resembled Wolverine from the X-Men movies, but he, he did he did try to grow them all back earlier this decade. It wasn't quite the same, but the thought was there. He tried kicking and screaming to bring it back. <laughs> yeah, Amir Yager's a goddamn legend. But yes, oh, back to uh, back to the hitman here. I mean, he was cheap-shotted. And Sean distracted him just enough for Diesel to punch him in the face. And, and Diesel is a powerful man, but it, but it took three of them, or Xanax would say, it took three of them to keep him down. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, what happened? Are you blind? Jesus! There's three of them! Diesel! Uh, the click! I thought the click was dead! <laughs> Jesus! Brett Zig. <laughs> John! Don't do it, John. You're on a week off. Learn the law once again. Prepare for war. Stampede wrestling. An eye for an eye. <laughs> Stampede wrestling. <laughs> Obeying the law. Follow the rules. It's cold round here. Stampede wrestling. <laughs> Bruce is going over and so is Keith. It's a family thing. Step be wrestling. Don't tell Stu he's wrong. He'll stretch you. Stu, wrestling. Bruce going over and so is Keith. <laughs> you know you're trying, but here you're failing. We covered it over to Ed Whalen. Stampede Wrestling. <laughs> I didn't know what I just said there. It's hard to improvise when you're when you're trying to do a CZ dub. <laughs> I love that. I love it. It makes me hot. Don't you? No. So, get a nice visual of Sean standing on the throne and handing Diesel the world title. Diesel now. So now he's Kevin Two Belts. Yeah, and I like it. I like. I like that. We we had a tiny, 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 tiny tease months ago uh, of the uh, of, of of potentially Sean and Diesel splitting, uh, but right now Sean is very much like, "Yep, yeah, do it, man. Become the champ, man. It's all good, man." And it's Diesel as champion. Yeah. Although it's it's, it's it's at this point in time, if I had told you to guess the person. Who would be the champion between Brett and Diesel, based on who was on the roster at the time? You could have had twenty guesses and you wouldn't have gotten it. Absolutely not. It is the it it is up there with one of the great comebacks. Oh, absolutely! One of the it best really reinventions. Is. It really is a, an amazing reinvention. But we'll we'll get to that in I the like, coming months. Yeah, I'm excited to get there because I I love to sort of fantasy book that title reign. Um, yes, you and would have had some fun with it. Most certainly, and uh, and the promos alone are tremendous. Yeah, because who knew who knew he had it in him? I know, right? I know. What a gift! Hey, look, we can't talk about that now. We gotta wait till down the road. Smoking Guns versus Austin Steele and Reno Riggins. Reno Riggins has the audacity to be the best dressed person in this match. <laughs> and what a fabulous look he had going on. And in addition to the half Yarmir Yager mullet he had going, he wore a black, green, and pink duster that is far above and beyond what, what any undercarder or jobber should ever be wearing ever. 
I just, I can't get over what some of these enhancement guys wear as they rock up. I just, I can't. It's like, there's no, at this point, like, like you couldn't do that in WWE today. There is so little quality control. They're just glad to have somebody there. <laughs> so Reno Riggins is there, as you say, with the audacity to look like Joseph in the amazing technical and dream coat. <laughs> You're going to push us on his outfit alone. It's that's it. And like, who's he tagging with? A guy in red pants. Austin <laughs> Steele. Like, they they couldn't look more makeshift if they tried. The, the, they almost, do you know what? The New Age Outlaws look less makeshift than these lads did. Austin Steele looks like the three-time winner of the Buddy Landell look-alike contest. <laughs> it does look like he's going for that sort of Buddy cosplay, doesn't it? It does. Highly wasted red pants. <laughs> but possibly possibly more important than Rena Riggins' incredible attire, we learned that Todd Pettengill is trying to call Jack Tony. Oh, my God. Good luck with that, mate. He's only got one phone, and it's in the study, and he's currently asleep in the conservatory. Before he gets whacked in the head with a candlestick by Mr. Green. <laughs> no, what's, <laughs> what's happening is, so Todd's like, I'm going to try rigging Jack Tunney. So the, the cut to the Tunney house. Jack Tunney's there. Phone starts ringing. Tunney, pick, pick, Tunney picks up like a glass, puts it to his ear. Furthermore, oh, oh, he hung up. <laughs> I was going to give like one of those WPLJ phone gags that, that Todd thought were hilarious, but nobody else did. <laughs> oh, no. This is a phone tap. <laughs> hey, this is uh, Mealy McBreaker. Tatanka <laughs> and Crush got eliminated together. <laughs> you got to do yeah, something about it. Yeah, Tatanka was hit by a bus. Oh, all right, this is terrible. <laughs> this is one of those deals. <laughs> Yeah, he, 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 he was looking for loose change in the street, and, and a bus came along and ran him over. Now we don't have a, a, a mid-card baby face anymore. Okay, Stu. <laughs> Furthermore, <laughs> it's all from the whole Stampede thing. Wrestling. Todd thinks Tony's pranking him by being oblivious. <laughs> <laughs> that is both simultaneously awful and funny at the same time. I want you to go out there and find the best-dressed man in the locker room and put him in the tournament. <laughs> Damn it, Reno's Strong. just gone to the ring. Okay, Strongbow it is. <laughs> this is my moment. <laughs> Get in there, Strongbow. Now it's Strongbow's time to shine. Oh, the rematch. They should have done a rematch between Strongbow and Fuji to determine who goes through. <laughs> Maybe Tony will. And watching these two move around was the inspiration for the character Glacier. <laughs> well, the name anyway. <laughs> so we learned that um, the head shrinkers are, are going to be involved in a tug of war with the armed forces on D-Day next week. They're joining Bam Bam and I guess Mabel since Moe's injured, but all the big guys at the WWE are going to be fighting the armed forces in a tug of war on the USS Intrepid. Yay! We're back on the Intrepid! <laughs> Remember, Winners get a bus. <laughs> we need we need one we're mo one man short for our tug of war team. Helicopter lands. <laughs> it's Luger again. He's now it's Strongbow. Again. Oh my God! It's Strongbow. Strongbow's here. It's like, it's like wait a minute, this isn't Burning Man. He gets back on the helicopter. Wait a minute, you you you're the All American. I thought you were the Native American. Oh um. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> you have something to tell us, Strongbow? <laughs> you know <laughs> He's a real American. Da, 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 da. Needs help turn off the shirt. I am a Native American. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm Native American. <laughs> I'm definitely not Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Fight for whatever. <laughs> Run for my life. Chopping Fuji down. Look at him fall. So Billy gets this cool looking diving bulldog on Austin Steel. Looks like it almost killed him. But more important than that, Savage plugs the movie Firestarter. And he gets it right. It was a good plug from Savage. <laughs> We're going to keep you on commentary for even longer since you're doing so good now. <laughs> nice subplot we have going here. You're too old, Savage. Now, Nikolai Volkov's on his way to the ring. The wrestle Strongbow. Christ. <laughs> Do you see why Savage went nuts? Yeah, I, you know what? I get it. I absolutely get it. <laughs> why, he, why he just had enough of this crap. We just can't put you out there, Savage. You're too old. Here comes Fuji and Strongbow. <laughs> <laughs> We've dug up George Hackenschmidt. Yeah, we're really stuck for talent. Savage, yeah. Could you get the number of the <laughs> of the funeral parlor where they where they buried Luthers? Luthers wasn't dead yet. <laughs> Eventually, but not yet. We need to reanimate. We need to reanimate Pierre. <laughs> we need Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Incidentally, actually, now I've said it, I watched PCO versus Roosh from Final Battle. Mm-hmm. Right, it's it's a bit of a dumpster fire of a match, but there is a brilliant moment where Roosh beats up PCO so badly that it looks like he's done. Music mm-hmm. starts playing, a car drives into the venue, PCO staggers over to it, and he gets restarted with the jumper cables. That is fantastic. <laughs> he goes on to win the Ring of Honor title. <laughs> That is like a metaphor for Ring of Honor at this point. It, it really be, is. It should, it should be dead, but we give it a jump. It's a crap old car giving it a re-jump. <laughs> if I told you that Ring of Honor's champion in 2019 was going to be Quebecer Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. You could, have told me, you could have told me that last year, and I still would have gone, what? Not, not just Pierre, but Pierre playing an Ed Wood-style monster. Oh, my God. It's, it's incredible. It is incredible. What a and, time we live in. And yet he's my hero. He's brilliant. He's just—it's like the the match itself is a real clash of styles, to say the very least. But they get through it. And but the important—but the important thing is Pierre won. The important thing is Pierre is the Ring of Honor champion. I've always thought that you deserve it. Champ was overrated, but I would chant it for him. No, uh, yeah, I don't know if they did. You know, all twelve people. I don't think they did. They should have. Uh, they probably did. Just didn't hear them. So speaking of wrestlers who are still going today, Billy Gunn and his partner Bart, they uh, they, they hit a suplex dropkick combo on, I think it was Steel. I could be wrong, though, because I was, I was barely paying attention at this point. They finished with the, the sidewinder. It was, oh, did they set it up? Was it the move that went into the sidewinder? Uh, well, they had two big moves, but I think it was on the same guy, whatever, whichever one it was. But they do finish with the sidewinder, the Canadian backbreaker diving something. It was indeed that, Steel. Okay, I was right. And that ends the match. Decent squash, but yeah. at, at this point, at this point, it's just window dressing for this big announcement that's coming. 
We learned that te- we learned that Todd called Tony while wearing that shirt. <laughs> and next week there will be a rematch. That's going to be a lumberjack match to ensure no countouts. Which is funny because later that year, Cactus Jack faced Jimmy Snook in a lumberjack match at UWF Blackjack Brawl that went to a double countout. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> What's worse, <laughs> a countout in a lumberjack match or a DQ in a Hell in a Cell? Well, the, this is a funny story with a Cactus one because they told Cactus he was going over, but he didn't think he should beat Snooker that night. So he, he, he audible to a double countout. And as they're brawling on the floor, they're brawling into the crowd, which is, which is like almost empty. And Brian, and Brian Blair yells, what are you doing? Cactus says, it's a double count out. Blair's like trying to laugh. He goes, it's a lumberjack match. And Cactus yells, it's Herb's show. We can do, any, we can do anything. As they run off. Oh, <laughs> uh, this was Herb Abrams, you double F. Oh, yes. The, the fun version. <laughs> <laughs> the coked version. Yes. <laughs> The, the weather outside is frightful because it's snowing every day here. <laughs> the weather outside is frightful, but the booking is so delightful. Learn more by going on Fightful. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, uh, I think it's Todd starts naming, starts naming Lumberjacks, and the first thing he says is Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> My poor savage. <laughs> Volkov, Bigelow, the Bushwhackers, IRS, Razor, Mabel, Duke Tracy, Yokozuna. What a motley crew of guys. A killer's row <laughs> of absolute <laughs> mentals. We got Razor, Yoko, Bamiam, okay, but the rest, who it's a thin roster. We, we are in the lean years. Uh, this is what happens. Yes, very lean. The very but lean thank- years. But the next match is... In- is, is kind of a sleeper here. Jeff Jarrett versus ECW legend Chris Hamrick. Yeah, it was great seeing Hamrick's name pop up. The man, the man whose nickname was once Confederate Currency, Chris Hamrick. <laughs> he was part, yes. of team of hot commodi- part of that team Hot Commodity with Easy Money and Julio De Nero. I thought he was great in that. Like, he had a bit of a renaissance in, in that team. Yeah, Hamrick was a... Uh... Underrated high flyer, obviously, yeah. obviously, obviously influenced by Ricky Morton. If you look at him here, pretty solid and, worker, I thought. Yeah, and 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 he gained a little retroactive fame for a bump he took during this time frame while facing the one, two, three kid on Superstars. I'm sure you've seen that clip oh, before. Yes, yeah, where he dives through the ropes. He has feet first. And it's almost like, like if that had happened like two years ago, we would have seen more of it because you would have dived through the ropes and you would have just heard do 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 as he flew into the abyss. We thought Hamburg vanished after that. He died on the way back to his home planet. Jarrett taunts Savage before the match. No feud, of course. Stop teasing us with Savage versus Jarrett. They've done this before. I know, but it's like, it's like Jarrett's trying to help Savage. And it's like, 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 I'm trying to convince Vince, but he's, he's not going for it. Like, like we'll try harder. <laughs> we get shit. We get shout outs to Arsenio Hall, whose show, whose show went off the air recently after about five and a half years of sort of trend-setting, cutting-edge, late-night television. Yeah, I was. that was a bit of a moment then with Arsenio Hall coming off. 
Well, it was um, – you understand the market was kind of crowded at that point because Letterman had gone on the CBS or the challenge Leno head-to-head. So, that, so instead of having one big Tonight Show and Arsenio in the, uh, in the second spot, all of a sudden now there's two big guns going at it. And not just that, but, but the Fox Network thought it was smart to uh, push the Chevy Chase show and uh, displace Arsenio to, a, to an even later time slot. If you know nothing of the Chevy Chase show, just know this. It is a bigger disaster than TNA in its worst year. Put it this way. We remember the Arsenio Hall show that finished, technically, before the Chevy Chase show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chevy Chase show is uh, disastrous. Because Arsenio had a lot of WWE talents on over the years, including the infamous Hulk Hogan episode in 1991. Yes, I remember this one. We're all... Like a fair point, though. If Hogan had just admitted that he that he took roids regularly instead of for an injury or whatever, would it have been damaging? I think initially, yes. But to be to be honest, like it hasn't made a world of difference. Well, you know, I th- I thought about that for years, but I, I had an epiphany when there. Over the past day, when I was reflecting on this, when they mentioned Arsenio, at the time George Jahorian had just been convicted for distribution, that and Vince's uh, day in court was looming. If Hogan had basically said, "Oh yeah, I'm a walking steroid factory," how bad would that have looked on Vince? Good point. That would have probably shut him down. <laughs> Hogan basically sacrificed himself, possibly unintentionally in order to try and save Vince a little bit. Do you think it was for that deeper reason? No, I think it was just self-preservation, honestly, and, and, and it completely backfired. But according to Brett's book, Hogan, Hogan said that um, Vince told him to lie, yeah. which I could see that given... Because if Hogan says, oh, 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 yeah, I've been juicing like crazy since 1981 or whatever, then it's like... When <laughs> Vince is in the... Um, defense box and all of a sudden it's uh well hogan said for years he was taking the stuff and yeah that, that wouldn't look good wouldn't be a strong look no <laughs> no so in this match hammer is bumping off crazy for everything off of a hot shot he's flying backwards his mouth is bleeding at one point he's taking a beating in this match yeah and uh, uh it's, a, it's a bit of an intense match yeah it's like hammer's really going for a job here it isn't like the, these other lo- other local guys who were just you know happy, possibly just having a job, getting paid two hundred bucks or whatever for a, a quick loss of someone. Hamburg sees a future here. Yeah, and and you know what? It's I'm genuinely gutted we never actually got it. Yeah, maybe it was a little bit too skinny for Vince's standards. It's mm. quite possible. Maybe too mullety. Too mullety. You said some of the states that have come out of that company. Okay, well, that's like a fluffy uh, Ricky Morton mullet. Maybe not mm. quite like the hockey mullet that Vince covets. So for the finish, Hamrick throws a flying knee at the corner of the V-trigger. Jarrett moves. Hamrick nails this turnbuckle. Like, if that was Jarrett's head, Jarrett would have been concussed and possibly retired as a result. Oh, it would have been a bit nasty. Had that connected. But instead, Hamrick uh, buggers his knee. Jarrett takes his leg out. Figure four finishes. Hamrick submits. 
And Double J is your winner. Jarrett, once again, making an enhancement guy, in theory, look really strong. Yeah, Jarrett doesn't have it in him to uh, guzzle up an opponent completely. Like, even when he was champion in TNA, half the match was just him getting his ass beat by the other guy and begging off. It's true. Yeah, Jarrett just doesn't, like, dominate guys, which I guess makes sense because he's not the most imposing wrestler. And he, and he has that mindset of make your opponent look really good. But once in a while, just destroy a guy. You know, this, you know, you're being groomed for the upper card. You might as well. Yeah, I suppose. It's it's good. I like I like the fact that he has competitive matches with people that make me want to watch him. But, you know, double-edged sword, obviously. It's, it's both good and bad, let's say. Yeah. So we go to break, we come back. Jarrett's shredding in the ring, his song's still playing. And we go to another break. Who the hell edited this show? Oh, somebody with, cl- clearly hadn't thought it through, had they? I don't like it. When, American telly does this on the odd occasion, where they go to a break and then come back and then go almost immediately to another break. The yeah, horror, so- when I discovered that on a, an American sitcom, every time it faded to black in America, that's when it went to break. Because over in England, like you get a break every 15 minutes. Like, and there's none of that every seven minutes nonsense. It must be like a metric system thing. Yeah, God. <laughs> it, probably, yeah. it definitely is. <laughs> Maybe it's just whoever had to work on the, on the holiday was pissed that they had to work on the holiday. So it was just like, doing like a half-assed job. Right, that's like, it. Half, okay. like, cut halfway through a sentence, 15 minutes, done. It's, it's like, yeah, I can get home in time to have, to have some burgers. Jesus. It's really frustrating when somebody doesn't Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Think through where they're cutting for an ad break. Yeah, and... and, and yeah. I mean, I've seen, we've seen worse shows so far in this run where it's just like really slapdash and thrown together. This is kind of tame by comparison, but between this and the random shot of the ring girl and George South walking out, yeah, it was just we, like he's thrown in for some reason. 
pretty much got away with it. Yeah, this isn't really a pro doing this. So, pl plugs for next week to Tonka versus Crush in the Lumberjack match to fill the ape spot in the King of the Ring tournament. We go to Lawler, who's apparently in some utility room, who announces that he won't say he, he, won't say he was guested next week, but he's from Scotland, and he wears a dress. And Vince and Savage are all excited because, oh, my God, Roddy Piper's going to be here. I'll bet he gets a match because he's young. <laughs> One of the all-time greats is coming, Vince. No, he's not an all-time great. He's a wrestler. <laughs> so, yes, that's next week. Piper's going to be on the King's Court, apparently. No, that he doesn't say, he doesn't say Piper. All right. Mm, I love that. So, I like the tease of that. Someone from Scotland who wears a dress. Billy Connolly. <laughs> If only. It would be great. <laughs> okay, make sure the sensors are alert for this one. Okay. No, I'm, I'm seeing where Billy Connolly's on. Oh, I thought you were going to swear. <laughs> no. I thought no, you, I'm not. Just in, case, just in case he tells that joke where he says, oh, my wife died. And they say, oh, uh, <laughs> what's the joke he says about when his wife dies? He says, oh, I buried her in the garden <laughs> with her bum sticking out. I said, why'd you do that? He said, I need somewhere to park my bike. <laughs> well, I mean, Todd... Finally. I mean, Todd did make the erectile dysfunction joke earlier. But... <laughs> he certainly did. <laughs> Can't wait for Connolly on King's Court next week. <laughs> This is, the, this is the start of the attitude era for real. <laughs> it all began when Billy Connolly refused to submit to the sharpshooter and while covered in blood. <laughs> John, John, John. No, nothing, John. Wait, Forget wait. about it. You're on holiday. Uh, so, yes, that's um, that was Raw this week. We are finally out of May. Wowzers. As we as we wait into the summer of '94, when America pays more attention to a former football player being chased down the LA freeway than they do wrestling, and it shows. It's, That's OJ uh, Simpson. It, does, it, it it is that. <laughs> it is bloody that, my friend. And one gimmick is so nice they use it twice. And Hulk Hogan shows up in the other company, and well, at least Vince got acquitted, so he had that going for him. It's all coming up Millhouse in the summer of 94. What could possibly go wrong? Well, a lot of stuff, but we'll cover that. Oh, we will cover that in 2020 when we dun, return dun, dun, dun. on the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. Next week, uh, you will be enjoying myself and Justin Henry alongside our colleague from the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review, Mr. Matthew Gregg, as we bring you Cultaholic's 12 Duds of Christmas. And there's some doozies. Hopefully you enjoy them as much as we enjoyed... Uh rewatching this garbage. I hope you enjoy them as much as we enjoy drinking petrol. And they are bad. <laughs> you have been warned. Uh, it is at this time that I wish my erstwhile colleague, Justin Henry, a very Merry Christmas. Oh, well, thank you. And I wish you a Merry Christmas as well, Tommy. And thank we you for another wonderful year of sipping through these shows and trying to find the good. Gosh, mate, we're coming up on two years. I know, but until we get to 95, when we really test our friendship. I've had relationships that didn't last this long, like with actual human women. 
I've had relationships with things that felt like Techno Team 2000. <laughs> <laughs> no heat, no chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of tinfoil jackets. Until next time, he is at JRH Writing. I am at Tom Campbell. Together we are at Cultaholic. Thank you for joining us for another year of old raw nonsense. We'll see you in 2020. Love you, bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 